welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 11th of July 2010, entitled Arise and Sit Down, and the Bible reading is taken from Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. Here's Brother Pedro Yearwood. So wonderful to see all your faces and um, a chance to, uh, to greet most of you. Uh, have I had a chance to greet you yet? I'll do that later on. <laughs> but um, that's wonderful to be able to be with you. I'm sorry that um, the girls uh, can't be here this time, but um, we'll enjoy ourselves on their behalf. It's, it's been about, uh, I think, about eight months since last we were here. I know it looks like 30 years, <laughs> but um, that's what the South will do for you. It's, it's rough down there, I tell you. Stay where you are. Yeah, Birmingham's all right. But... Um, just so glad to be able to be with you this, uh, this evening. Uh, you'll see our, our text there on, uh, on the, uh, on the uh, overhead. Uh, but just before we come to that, may I just uh, thank you again for uh, your prayers for us. Uh, we, we feel your prayers, and we, we feel your support and encouragement so very much. And we thank the Lord. Uh, you know what it's like with family. We've all got uh, families. Uh, if you're like me, maybe you've got family elsewhere and uh, overseas and whatnot. And sometimes you don't see them for a while, but you always know they're there. And um, there is a bond that, that uh, connects you, even if you are thousands of miles apart. Uh, that's still my brother. That's still my sister. still my father or whoever the case may be. And uh, it's the same with the family of God, isn't it? And sometimes even though we, we may be uh, some miles apart, there is, uh, there is a bond there and uh, a unity in the spirit, and it's just a very precious thing, and we thank the Lord for you. We, I try and get as much news as I can um, from various people, about various people, so I, I know some things, and so that you may know how to pray, and thank the Lord that Brother Peter is, is well enough to be with us, and so many others who have been struggling um, physically and, and so on, but just uh, thank the Lord that you could be here, and, and uh, the Lord has heard the prayers that were offered up uh, just a few minutes ago, as brother, um, where is he gone? Brother Steve, there he is. Brother, as brother Steve prayed, our text again, Matthew, uh, sorry, Proverbs chapter uh, twenty-four and verse sixteen. Proverbs chapter twenty-four, verse sixteen. It says, "For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into." mischief. We've already prayed and asked the Lord to help us, and I believe that he will. I just want to share a few thoughts with you this evening. Um, let, let me make sure that clock is right. Yes, it is. Um, I just want to share a few thoughts with you this evening um, on the subject of the importance of, of getting up, the importance of getting up. Now, don't worry. If you're struggling in the morning to be on time for work, I'm not preaching on that, so you're all right. That's not the sort of getting up that, um, that we've got in mind. But you know, if you've been a child of God for any period of time, you know how easy it is to become discouraged. Or is it just me? I, I, there must be somebody else other than me who's been discouraged here. And, you know, sometimes um, discouragement seems to come uh, in, uh, in groups, <laughs> It'd be bad enough when it comes by in ones, but when it comes in threes and fours and, 
and apparently in groups, and then sometimes in waves of relentless events that just seemed designed to break your will and to drive you to despair, frankly. Sometimes we can find ourselves in a position where we are uh, down and out and, um, and feeling like we've really reached the end. We know that God hasn't given up on us, but sometimes we can get to the point of feeling as though we just cannot fight any further. We, we just can't struggle on anymore. We've, we've fought as long as we, as we could. We've, we've, we've run as far as we could. And now there's just, there's just nothing left. There's nothing left in the tank. There's no strength left. And all that seems um, left for us to do is to collapse into the dust and surrender. But this evening, I want to encourage you very simply to get up. If that's where you are, I want to simply encourage you, like the Word of God says, to arise and get up from that place because that is not where God wants you to be. This evening, I want to draw your attention to a few um, instances in the Scriptures where God encourages us, indeed commands us, to arise up out of situations where we ought not to be. Thank God he loves us. And he doesn't abandon us when we fall short. He does not get frustrated with us. If he did, none of us would be here tonight. Guaranteed. He never ever becomes frustrated with us because there's nothing that you or I can do to surprise him. It is not that he expected better of you and you've fallen short and he said, well, I've had enough of you. I didn't think it'd come to this. He knew when he saved you how you would struggle, where you would struggle, how and when you would fall. But he wants us to understand this, that our position as a child of God must be that of standing and having done all to stand. And so arise the importance of getting up. Now, I'm going to ask you if you would turn with me to just a few uh, portions of Scripture. I wouldn't normally do this, but I, I'd ask you if you just uh, go along with me. Uh, I've tried to get it all going in one direction so you don't end up going back and forth in your Bibles. But the first one is in Isaiah chapter 52. We read there in our text that a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. In other words, regardless of how often God's child falls, you can always get up again. But now the wicked, when they go down, that's it. If you're here without the Lord this evening, if, you, if you've never actually for yourself trusted what Jesus Christ did for you on Calvary's cross, you are in present danger of facing the judge of God. And if you die before you have trusted Christ as Savior, you have lost your opportunity. You see, only in this life do we have chance to put our trust in Christ. After this life is finished, the instant your uh, spirit and soul depart from your body, there is no going back. There is no purgatory. There is no means by which you can ever repent in retrospect and say, look, I now realize that I should have trusted Christ when I was alive on, on earth. You can't do that. See, it is appointed unto man once to die, 
But after that, the judgment. So you will either face Jesus Christ as your Savior or as your judge. And this evening, because God loves you, oh, if I had the words to express just how much he loves you, because he loves you, he is giving you another opportunity to hear that he wants you. He longs for you. That is why Christ came. We were singing that hymn just a little while ago. Are you washed in the blood? Why did Christ shed his blood? So that you could be saved. See, he's paid the debt. But now do you want to identify with what he's done for you? Do you personally want to avail yourself of the salvation that he freely offers? It is your choice. But oh, how I pray you make that choice tonight. If you've never done it, this is your night. It really, really is. I hope you'll do that tonight. The Bible says the wicked shall fall into mischief. Not just in this life, but the greatest of all disasters is that when the lost person dies, their hope dies with them. But now, in this life, the just man, it says, the child of God, fall of seven times. That means many, many times, numerous times. And riseth up again. Isaiah chapter 52. Verse 1 says this. Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. The holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. The first of these challenges, these instructions even, to arise is here in this verse too. God said to Israel, arise and sit down. Now that may not sound particularly ambitious, sitting down. Now if the Lord had said arise and fly, we would have think, well, well, yes, you know, that, that, that sounds like we're soaring, we're going somewhere. Arise and sit down doesn't sound like much. But you see, beloved, you need to understand where Israel is coming from. The Bible says, shake thyself, where? From the dust. Israel, through disobedience, had found itself face down, so to speak, in the dust. And the Lord was saying to them, that is not where I intended for you to be, nor is it where he intends for us to be. So he says, arise and sit down. Arise and be seated. Thank God he tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we sit, hallelujah, together in heavenly places. You see, we are unique amongst people on the earth. If you're a child of God, I hope you realize you are unique. You are already positionally seated in heavenly places. As far as God is concerned, you were his child forever. And with that uh, transformation from a lost person to a child of God comes many Challenges, yes, and problems, but also tremendous privileges. Privileges that will only become more and more apparent to us as time goes on. Or when we get home and realize the glory and the honor that the Lord will bestow upon us. It really will be mind-boggling as we realize the extent to which he loves us. 
But God said to Israel, arise and sit down. Now, beloved, if for whatever reason you have found yourself face down in the dust, and I tell you, it can happen. It can happen so easily. Don't think for a moment that I'm here tonight trying to condemn you or to point a finger at you and say, look at you. No, no. I'm saying it can happen. But God does not want you there. His command is, child, arise. Get up out of the dust and sit down. Get up and get back to that place of seated authority that I've given you. Arise and sit down. The second one is a few, a few pages over in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1. I know you know this chapter very well. It's um, the, very, the beginning of the book of Jeremiah and explains a lot of, of uh, what happens thereafter. But in verse 4 of Jeremiah chapter 1, the scriptures tell us, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, that is unto Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee, a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And then look over at uh, verse 17. Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. The Lord said to Jeremiah, don't say you are a child. Don't say that you cannot do it. My command to you is arise and speak. Arise and speak. Now, if anybody on earth has got something to talk about, it's us. We have got much to talk about because we are the only people on earth who knows what it feels like to be free. Nobody else knows what it's like. We can talk about freedom. No one else on earth knows what true peace is. And it's not just the absence of problems. Peace is being able to walk with God in confidence, even in the midst of the greatest tempest. The lost person has no idea what that feels like. We have got so much that we can speak about. Above all, above all, we can and must speak of our Savior. Mankind's only hope. God said to Jeremiah, don't say, I am a child. Don't say, oh, oh, Lord God, you've got the wrong address. You couldn't mean me, Lord. I, I, I can't do that. The Lord said, arise and speak. Now, I know the majority of us are not necessarily gifted with eloquence or with any particular, particularly large degree of courage. <laughs> if you're like me, you're, you, you've probably not got much at all. But I think of Peter and, and James when they stood before the Sanhedrin 
having been warned no longer to speak in the name of Jesus, they said, we cannot but speak. We cannot but speak. Whether it seemed right in the sight of God to hearken unto you, rather than to hearken unto God, judge ye. You, you decide that. But we cannot but speak of the things that we've seen and heard. And you and I as believers, we ought to be like that. We ought to arise and speak. Now, we live at a time where society is trying to get us to shut up. They don't mind you having some religion or the other in church within your four walls. That's fine for now. They're going to work on that next. But for now, that's all right. You know, you stay inside your little buildings and pray and do whatever stuff you're doing there. That's all right. We don't even mind you in your homes having your devotional, your religious devotions. I mean, I don't care for it, but you can, you can have it if you like. But don't, don't you dare bring that into the office. Don't you dare bring that out onto the street. Don't you dare take that next door. Keep it to yourself. Shut up. But beloved, God has called us to speak. Now, I'm not talking about lacking discretion and knowing when is a, a good time to, to be a witness and when it's time to put your head down and work. Uh, you're being employed by your employer to work, not to witness. You understand that, of course. But at the same time, you and I have got a responsibility to speak. When the opportunity comes along, use it. Do not let the enemy fill your heart with fear. Either that that person does not want to know and, uh, or that they may react in some antagonistic way or that you don't know enough. Oh, I'm a child. Don't let the enemy fool you. I am sure every time you have walked past that shadow of fear and opened your mouth and spoken, every time you've said afterwards, thank God I did that. Isn't that right? Every time you say, oh, Lord, thank you that I did that. Always. Sometimes we cannot speak verbally, but if you have got the word of God on a tract, you can hand it to someone. You can leave it strategically positioned somewhere where someone is going to see it. Beloved, God says, arise and speak. Do not allow society or Satan or anything else, any fear to shut your mouth. Arise and speak, God says. I like what the Apostle Paul said in, in Ephesians 6, coming on to the end, uh, having talked about the armor of God and, and uh, all such. Uh, he, he ends off with, um, with prayer, you know. Um, praying always with all prayer in verse 18 of Ephesians 6. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. He says, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Beloved, pray one for another, that when we get opportunities in this coming week, that like the apostle Paul desired, we would open our mouths and speak boldly as we ought to speak. The Lord says, arise and speak. But Jeremiah also wrote the book that follows, the book of, the, of uh, Lamentations, which means exactly what it sounds like. 
lamenting, lamenting what, what happened to Israel and uh, the state of Israel and what had to happen as a result of their disobedience. And in verse 18, as this man of God with his heart broken for the people of God looked on, sensitive to what God was saying to him. In verse 18, we read this of chapter uh, 2, Lamentations 2, verse 18. He says, Their heart cried unto the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion, let tears run down like a river day and night. Give thyself no rest. Let not the apple of thine eyes cease. Look at verse 19. Arise, cry out in the night. In the beginning of the watches, pour out thine heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift up thy hands toward him for the life of thy young children that faint for hunger in the top of every street. In other words, arise and pray. And beloved, if there was ever a time in the history of the church that we needed to arise and pray, this is it. This is it. This is the time. I think we are not even remotely aware of the spiritual battle that is going on all around us as believers generally and around you as a believer individually. Immense, intense battles going on. Battles for your mind. Battles for your children's minds. Battles for your church. Battles for your pastor. Battles for your wife. Battles for your husband. If we had any idea just how fierce and relentless is Satan's attack upon each one of us, we'd arise and pray. But because we cannot see it with our eyes, we forget. I guarantee that if right now someone were to airlift you from here and drop you off in the middle of Afghanistan, you would start praying. And you would keep praying till God got you out of there. Why? Because all around you there is a battle going on. Bullets are flying. Bombs are going off. And you think, I'm in danger here. Lord, help me. Get me out. Why? Because you can see it. You can hear it. But there is a battle far more fierce and with far greater consequences going on all around you right now. We don't remember so much of the time. We're so busy with life and bills and football and whatever else is happening all around us. We don't remember about the battle, about the things that are happening. And you know what happens as a result? Because I'm not praying for you, because I'm not praying for my wife, because I'm not praying for my children, because I'm not praying for the pastor, because I'm not praying for this brother or this sister in trouble. So many of us go through things that perhaps could have been avoided. So many of us end up carrying burdens that could have been shared. So many of us end up in the dust, went through prayer, and with some care on our part, we could have lifted that wounded brother and got him to safety. Beloved, this is a time to arise and pray. When the Lord took three of his disciples with him, 
that night in Gethsemane and left them and went a few feet away and knelt and prayed until his sweat became like great drops of blood because of the intensity of the agony that he was going through there as he prepared for Calvary. He came back in a little while, and do you know what he found those three loved disciples doing? They were fast asleep. And the Lord said to them, why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. And I'm afraid, beloved, there's so many of us who are fast asleep in the middle of the most intense, fierce fighting that the church has ever known. And we need to arise and pray. And having prayed, you know, we pray about things and then, um, Lord, there's a need in such and such a place. And the Lord says, yes, Charles, I know, so I'm going to send you. And then we say, Lord, I'm praying now that you'd send someone. I think brother so-and-so looks ready. And the Lord says, no, I'm sending you. And it's a whole different um, scenario. But there was a man that we all know uh, by the name of Jonah who got sent once by God to uh, a place that he frankly despised. It was a city called Nineveh. Today, it's called Mosul in Iraq. Our troops are out there near to this very place. God sent him to this, uh, this mighty city called Nineveh in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 2 says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. God wanted to spare this city. He wanted them to repent. And so he said to his prophet, Arise and go. And the next verse says, But Jonah rose up. So you see, he did get up. He understood the importance of getting up, but he went the wrong way. Jonah rose up to flee, it says, unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And went down to Joppa, and he found a ship, and we know what happened. The Lord asked his prophet, commanded his prophet to arise and go. In other words, arise and go serve me. I've got a job for you to do. But he didn't like the job God had for him. You see, it wasn't that Jonah was against preaching. I'm sure he loved it. He wasn't against being a prophet. He, he, he was thrilled to be a prophet of God, I'm sure. Otherwise, God wouldn't have used him at all. He just did not like the destination that God was sending him to. I wonder if we're like that sometimes. We say, Lord, I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender. And then the Lord sends us to some person that we, we just cannot stand. Or into some situation to be a witness for him where we think, oh, Lord, anywhere but there. You know, so often when we think of serving, the first thing that comes to mind is foreign fields. But we, we think of Papua New Guinea, China, and so on and so forth. But what about Birmingham? 
There are as many, if not more, lost people in Birmingham than in some of the small countries where we send missionaries. And as a proportion of the population, there are as many lost people right here as anywhere on earth. In fact, as a proportion of the population, there are probably more saved people in China than in Birmingham. There is a need right here. And where we live, there's a need there. And the Lord is certainly, even if he's not specifically giving you any command to go here or there, he has given us all a command to be a witness for him. And so it is arise and serve. But that's not all that there is involved in service. Within our local churches, as God gives opportunity, there are things that we can do. And I've got to say this. Perhaps the most neglected ministry of them all, and I'm sure I've said this before, so if I'm repeating myself, forgive me. The most neglected ministry of all, beloved, I believe is the ministry of encouragement, the ministry of comfort. There are so many brothers and sisters tonight who could do with a phone call, who could do with an email. Maybe they're here and they could do with an arm around the shoulder and just a little reminder, brother, I love you. Sister, we are praying for you. You are so special to us. Who could do with a visit from you tomorrow? But you see, there's no glamour in the ministry of comfort. There isn't. There is a degree of glamour in preaching. Everybody's looking at you. See how you're looking at me? There's a degree of glamour in singing and playing instruments and doing many things. There is virtually no praise, no applause, no glamour in the ministry of comfort. But beloved, the reason why so many of our churches are weak is because that ministry is not functioning. It's all left up to the pastor. He's supposed to know everybody's needs, get around to everybody's house every day, and meet all those needs. That is not biblical. You will never find that in the Bible. It's the responsibility of the body to care for itself. So the pastor doesn't become burnt out as so many do. It is our job to seek out by the sensitivity that the Spirit of God gives us, seek out those brothers and sisters who need encouragement, who need lifting up. I'm sure you've heard it said as well that our army, the Christian army, is the only one that shoots its wounded. And if we don't shoot them, we just leave them there and move on. Tough for you. You should have watched, you know, where the bullets were coming from. Beloved, as James said, these things ought not so to be. The Lord intended for the body to first care for itself. And, be, and when we do that and strengthen each other, then we are in a position to be the sort of witness that we should be. But it's hard to witness when you're discouraged, isn't it? It's hard to witness when you're, you're, you feel like every burden on earth is on you and nobody else can see it. <laughs> nobody else is even remotely aware and apparently not even interested. There's a lot of serving to do. The Lord says, arise and serve. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, inasmuch as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There are things we need to be doing 
as far as witnessing. There are things we need to be doing in the house of God to, to help. And there's certainly much that we can do one for another. I thank God for the people in this church who stood by me when I was ill and needed encouragement. So many of you were such a blessing to me. Your pastor was such a pillar of strength for me, and still is. Day after day, without fail, whether I wanted to hear from him or not, he would ring. He would email. He'd come by. He'd usually ask first, can I come by? He never stopped. He refused to stop. Because he saw a need, and he was determined to, to do what he could until the Lord saw fit to bring deliverance. Arise and serve. Just the last one and I'll be done. Micah chapter 2. So many of these prophets, the major prophets as we call them, and the minor prophets again as we call them, so many of them had the sad responsibility to pronounce judgment on Israel and to plead with them to repent. And Michael wasn't, uh, wasn't any different. And in chapter 2 and verse 10, he says this, to God's people, Arise ye and depart, for this is not your rest, because it is polluted. It shall destroy you, even with a sore destruction. Israel had got itself involved in idolatry and all sorts of wickedness. But they'd begun, they'd come to a place where they had grown comfortable with it. As you can do with sin, even a believer, even a child of God can grow comfortable with certain sins. You lose the, the pang of the Spirit of God convicting over that thing the longer you resist. And you can get comfortable with it to the point of feeling restful even in the situation. But Micah said to Israel, Arise ye and depart. Arise and depart, for this is not your rest. Because it is polluted. Dear child of God this evening, I do not know your heart. It is, in fact, it's none of my business what is in your heart. But you do, and God certainly does. And if you know that you have found yourself in a polluted place, a place that will destroy you, it will destroy your testimony, it will destroy your joy, it will wreck your walk with the Lord, yea, though it cannot deprive you of your salvation, it can cause you to lose so much else. If you found yourself in such a place, a polluted place, then the command from God is arise and depart. Just get up and get away from it. Don't plan to do it. Do it. Just get up and leave that sin. Get up and depart from it. Leave it alone. Don't 
trying to be smart about it and say, well, let me, let me philosophize over this for a while and see if I can understand how I got here in the first place and, and how I could just get up and leave. Just leave. There are times, beloved, when we just have got to flee. Don't stop and think. Just run. Get away from it. It's polluted. And it will destroy you. What does the Lord say to the Corinthian church? Who themselves had become so ensnared with so much that God called sin. He told them, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord or agreement hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel, an unbeliever? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Just arise and depart. Just get out of it. Don't pray about it. Don't seek counsel about it. If you know it's sin, just get up and depart. We could go on and on. There are so many instances in the Word of God where God pleads with us to get up out of situations and to get in line with His will. Arise and sit down where God said you ought to be. Arise, He said, and speak. Arise and pray. Arise and serve. Arise and depart. You know where you are tonight. You know what battles you are facing. You know what position you are in. But beloved, I want to encourage you tonight. If you have fallen down, arise. Get up. Get up again. By the grace of God, by the strength of God, just get up. And in your, at the instant you make that effort to arise and walk again in obedience to God, you will find all the power of God behind you. You will find underneath are the everlasting arms. And God will bear you up. And you will be amazed at the strength that he will instill into you. Let this be a word to the enemy of our souls and sometimes even to ourselves. Micah chapter 7 and verse 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. The importance of getting up. Beloved, this week, God intends for you to stand and to walk in victory. You pray for me. I need your prayers. I'll be praying for you. Pray one for another that God would help us, having done all, to stand.